Hello. Bonjour. And we so sorry. I don't know how that is in French. Okay, Merci on. for being the Patience. best. We're so sorry. Listeners. Yeah, we are so, so sorry. Just a lot of things been going on in the new year. We were traveling. Just we've learned from our mistakes when it comes to podcasting the holidays in January. That is true. So this will not happen again. Mm-mm. We are very sorry, except it's going to happen one more time for the Patreons. You're getting your episode on Monday. Yeah. But you're getting a bonus episode of Bunk Bid Banter, which yes. you've, I've already let you know. Yeah. So, you and know. And to say thankful. Or <laughs> <laughs> <Before> uh-huh. not. <laughs> to, to say thank you. We actually are going to embark on a very special episode of International Oddities. Um, and we decided that we were going to wide release it to say sorry and to say thank you. Yes. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That almost slipped my mind. We're actually very exciting. So keep your ears and your pods out for that because it's it's going to be really exciting. And it's going to involve other people. Yes. It's not just us. Yeah. And that's why we're releasing it. So it's not a Canadian case. But we really want to be able to support a nonprofit in highlighting this case. And it just doesn't make sense to release it through our regular episodes. And we thought because we fucked up so hard, we're going to wide release it, not just to our Patreons. But if you're interested in becoming a Patreon to get everything else and you would get that episode earlier, please go to our Patreon, take a look at our tiers and subscribe. Absolutely. Yay. That's awesome. Actually, I'm just now realizing that the tiers are still set to our Boxing Day Setting. So if you're listening to this tomorrow <laughs> on our late release on third on Friday, January 19th, if you run over there, you'll get the 25% off because yep. I'm going to switch it on okay. Saturday. I'll give you guys the day. I'll give you guys the day to sneak on over. Look because all again, the amazing things we're giving you. We're giving you because <laughs> honestly, podcasting and releasing something every week in, in the, while the holidays are going on and in January and when you're traveling. Yeah. Like I said, we've learned it won't happen again. It was the delays. Yeah. If you want to hear about our trip to Dallas, mm-hmm. that those are going to be our bed bug, bed bug banters. <laughs> that's, the, that's the second time I've said yeah. that. <laughs> bug bed banters. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll hear about it. Thank you, Mr. President. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Thank you, Biden. And with that, let's get on with our episode. After meeting a man in a coffee shop in Toronto, Ontario, Reet Jervetson scrimped and saved all of her money to move to California in the late summer of 1969. Just months later, Jane Doe, 59, was discovered along the ravine of Mulholland Drive, stabbed 157 times. Never reported missing, Reet's body went unclaimed for 47 years, until finally her sister recognized her in the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System. Now identified, but the case continues to be unsolved. The question remains whether or not Reet was another victim of the Manson family. Today's tale from the Chesterfields is about the mysterious case of Jane Doe 59 in an episode we call L.A. LA Woman. On November 6, 1965, a 15-year-old boy, Trevor Santochi, was walking along Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles on his weekly birdwatching outing. 
He happened to be taking a trail from the Mulholland Drive to Fryman Canyon, a popular bird-watching trail where he was hoping to see the winter red-breasted sapsucker, or perhaps the Lewis woodpecker. Instead, 15 feet down the dense woodland ravine, he saw a woman, fully clothed and dead from multiple stab wounds. The autopsy revealed the cause of death was obviously multiple stab wounds. 157 stab wounds to be exact, the majority of them inflicted to her neck. It was determined that the boy had found the body 24 to 48 hours post-death, and if it hadn't been for that tree, she likely would not have been found. The ravine itself goes down the canyon, 213 meters below. The wounds had been made by a common penknife, some of which severed the carotid artery. She also had defensive wounds on her hands, indicating that she tried to protect herself from the attacker. Upon reviewing the blood pattern in the area, the woman had died elsewhere and had been transported to this location, as well as an interesting fact that the person who had killed her was right-handed. She still had her belongings on her persons, which indicated the murder was not due to robbery, and the body did not show signs of sexual assault prior to her murder. Autopsy also revealed that there were no drugs or alcohol in her system when she died. She did, however, have food in her stomach, and it indicated that she died two hours post-meal. Honestly, when my mom sent me this case and said, I think you need to highlight this, and I said, sure. And when I read through it, I was like, oh, man, okay. It's just a dead woman. There's no sexual assault, no drugs or alcohol. This got to be straightforward, right? Yeah, every case I feel has just had even what law for had sexual assault. Yeah, absolutely. And our next week's episode Ugh. is extremely disheartening. So I'm glad that this this week is happening. I'm so yeah. sorry for Reet. I'm glad yes. that she's now identified. But yes, it is nice to highlight something that isn't just motivated sexually or due to substances or mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. The woman became Jane Doe 59. She was believed to have died between the ages of 20 and 23. She was 5'9 and weighed 112 pounds. She didn't have too many distinguishable features, only a small quarter-inch scar visible beneath her left breast, a birthmark on her right buttocks, as well as vaccination scars on her left arm and left thigh. So automatically, mm-hmm. when I read that, I was like, she's totally from Quebec, because both my parents have the same scar. And so I was like, truly, I would assume and decode rather than like the province. It's like clearly a little bit of confirmation bias <laughs> because I'm sure other people had these cars because uh, they're from Europe. And I think there was some sort of connection there. But yeah, for sure. I felt in this moment that I was FBI extraordinaire <laughs> in my research. I was like, how do these people not know? <laughs> what idiots. Yeah. <laughs> So this specific scar was a smallpox vaccine that was successfully used in the 60s and 70s, and it was a very distinct scar. I don't know if you've ever seen one or if your mom has one. Yeah, I have, yeah. It's about dime-sized, and it's actually indented into the arm, and as a kid, always seeing this on my mom's arm, yeah, you You touch it. play with it, it, yeah. (laughs) And I had this idea of, like, hundreds of needles, like, piercing the skin at the Mm -hmm. same time, and, like, a really condensed spot, and it always freaked me out, and my parents never really said anything about it other than it was a vaccine. <laughs> we're just, we're going to let you think this. <laughs> it's so funny that we did not grow up together, but have pretty much the same memory of my grandmother, not my mom, oh, okay. but my grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. I still truly, after looking it up with this episode, because I was like, now I'm going to finally know the truth. I don't know why it's <laughs> So they would say, though, that if the person got the scar, that the vaccine took. Oh. But I think that was just to... 
make people Confuse feel better the masses, that they have a yeah, crater now in they their have heart. a crater in their heart for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so Canada actually ended up stopping this vaccine in 72 and then by the 80s the who declared that the z- the disease was actually wiped out. Yeah. Which is why you and I don't have one yeah. and people our age don't have one because smallpox nice. is not a necessary vaccine anymore. Besides me and my smallpox <laughs> vaccine rabbit hole that I definitely went down not only when I wrote this episode in the Dallas airport when our plane was delayed for four hours due to the president coming into town and then tornado watch and then somebody vomited on the plane yeah like so many things there was just somebody was looking out for us and didn't want us on the plane between the hours of 11 p.m to 6 a.m yeah Yeah. oh anyways yeah so and the rabbit hole i just went down Mm -hmm. let's move on (laughs) so this woman jane doe 59 had green eyes tinted dark brown hair and had silver fillings in both her upper and lower jaw also very popular in dentistry in the 60s We talked a lot about forensic odontology in our Halloween episode on Wayne Bowden. If you haven't listened, head over there after this because it definitely has a little connection there. But while it was the first in Canada, the most infamous conviction based on dentistry records was 10 years after this woman was found in 1979 with Ted Bundy. So dental identification of a dead body goes back even further than that to Paul Revere of Revolution revolutionary war fame wow like you want to know the rabbit holes i went down in this episode goodness yeah we went all the back to the paul revere days (laughs) so unfortunately she wasn't carrying any items that were distinctive but i think and we'll post it on social media her canadian tuxedo should have at least tipped off investigators that she was canadian Like, another FBI moment for me. I was like, I could have been a police officer back Well, Kayla, in where were you in, <laughs> in 1965 that you weren't helping them solve these case? I don't 1969, know. sorry, 1969. Where were you? Uh, I, I guess was not, not even thought of. Yeah. My mom was born that year, so. Yeah. Yeah. She, my mom is older of us, older than us. Yes. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> So I will say that it was very odd looking at American history for this episode and the rabbit holes I went down because this is indeed an American case. Oh my goodness. Yes, it is. A police sketch did get released shortly after the discovery of the body and combed through missing person cases, but with no matches and no one coming forward, she became known as Jane Doe 59. Detective Lou Rivera. What a detective name. I know. I'm shocked that SVU or Criminal Minds. Lou. Rivera. Rivera. Don't you have a picture in your head of who this man is? Absolutely do. I didn't look him up, but I do love his name. Absolutely. He should have been a detective. Like, detective should be on his birth certificate. That is such a name. That is such a detective name. Well, we just tried to find a picture of Detective Lou Rivera. He's lost to history. And but I'm sad we all about have it. a wonderful visual in our brains. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely got a mustache. And a suit. Yeah. A brown, mm-hmm. tight suit. Mm-hmm. Blue but tie. But he's a little bit mm-hmm. thick on the thick side. Yeah. Well, we know thicker is better. <laughs> we digress. Detective Lou Rivera worked on the case and worked from a lens of a rage killing. 
With how the woman was killed, he assumed this was likely done by a domestic partner, which is fair. 157 mm-hmm. stab wounds specifically to the neck that yeah. I would have deduced the same thing. Without identification, the police also produced a drawing of her face early post-mortem and then decided to forensically reconstruct her appearance. Unfortunately, neither of the drawings or the artist's renderings assisted with the identification of the woman. Soon the case went cold. It wasn't until 2001 when the Los Angeles Police Department formed a cold case unit that was tasked with revisiting cold cases from 1960, including Jane Doe 59. Just two years later, Detective Cliff Shepard was assigned to the case. He pored over the investigation documents and all evidence connected to the case. Two pieces of information stuck out to him. The silver amalamaglam. <laughs> You're doing great. Amalagam. Mm-hmm. Uh, amalgam. Amalgam? Amalgam. The feelings. silver amalgam. Feelings. Feelings. <laughs> feelings. <laughs> I'm sorry. Silver amalgam. An enamel game. <laughs> Anybody knows how to pronounce that? You. Call in yeah. to, to TFTC headquarters and let us know. Yeah. Uh, which meant she came from a well-to-do family. So obviously there were the actual silver. I think there was actual grave robbers back in the day yep. that would take teeth because of actual silver and yep. gold used Yes, I remember hearing about that at some point. Yeah, so it indicated to them that she came from a well-to-do family and that her clothing and tags noting that they were made in Canada. Hmm. By this time, forensic science had progressed significantly, and Shepard was also able to pull DNA from her clothing and produce a DNA profile. Unfortunately... through all the known databases that DNA um, can go through, it didn't produce any matches. Information was sent to the RCMP, so it was connected to Canada at this point, but was told the case was too old to be solved. Thanks, RCMP. Mm -hmm. We we definitely appreciate your support. Mm -hmm. Hitting this brick wall, he turned to the internet. Shepard began thinking of posting information online to websites specifically dedicated to cold cases and missing persons. That's. I'm glad that they were able to connect it to Canada. How is any case too old for the RCMP to look look at? Well, there's statutes of limitations. I don't know all of the legal pieces because we are zero percent lawyer, but. Cold cases themselves, I mean, maybe it's because it's out of jurisdiction. It's in a whole other country. Yeah. And this is also in 2001. And while that doesn't feel like very long ago, yeah. it, it, it's 22 years ago. 22, 23 years ago. It's 2024. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know. We're, <laughs> it's fine. It's January. We're fine. So, yeah, I understand. But I, there wouldn't be a cold, there wouldn't be a statute of limitations on murder. I know there's a statute of limitations on like sexual assault, robbery, mm. all those, but murder? Missing person, though. I don't know. Hmm. It's clearly murder. This is mm-hmm. not a case of the police saw it and said, that's suicide, mm-hmm. which we know the police tend to do yes. often. They said, it's murder. This is Jane Doe 59. These are all of the evidence pieces. We now have a DNA profile. RCMP was like, so sorry, it's too old. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how this also, she yeah, this also makes me really sad for Reach because she saved up all this money and stuff to move to California, and she only lived for four years in California. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Reach. Back in Montreal, Quebec, a friend of Ann Jervidson was casually browsing the internet's missing persons pages and alerted her to a photo of Jane Doe 59. 
and sister, Reet, had traveled to Los Angeles in that same year at 19 years of age to follow a man she had met at a coffee shop in Toronto and fell madly in love. Taylor's old, oldest time. Do you think that they reached for the same coffee cup? <laughs> Do you remember when Starbucks two, tried two to set me doubles. up with the guy? No. Well, I can't remember his name. Remember we when we worked down by yeah. um, in the same office? Yeah. And I went in one day to get my coffee because I did every day. And the Starbucks barista was like, oh, you and Jim come by at the exact same time every morning and you have the same order. And I was like, good for Jim. And then good the for ne- Jim. I, give, I have a mark. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a gym. Yeah. So then the next day I went back to Starbucks and they had put our coffee cups like together. Oh my gosh. And then I was like, oh, I wonder who Jim is. And then just left, didn't think anything of it. And then the next day, they put our coffee cups together with our names in a heart. And it, like, made the heart on oh either side gosh, with the two coffee cups. Oh, my gosh, that's adorable. If you and Jim had fallen in love, <laughs> yeah, you would have been, like, reeked and random man. Uh-huh. Well, I hope random man didn't do it. That's where the story would turn dark. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, I was married and I wasn't yeah, about that's, to be that's, Jim. That's, that's totally fair. <laughs> and I went to work and I was like, you won't believe what's going on. I just want to get my coffee and go to work. <laughs> Did you start going to the drive-thru after that? They don't have a drive-thru. Oh, oh it was the one. Right. Yeah. I remember that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. I used to have to actually park my car and go into Starbucks oh, wow. to have my coffee. That's dedication. I know. I'm proud of it you. It was delicious. Believe that. Now I have to have my lattes at home because it's too expensive mm-hmm. i know i because feel of that mark. <laughs> because of mark and you could have had jim he obviously yeah. prioritized starbucks starbucks every morning yeah. jim if you're out, jim if you're out there yeah if you remember this story <laughs> and you're like who's this gala person <laughs> follow us on tftc yeah yeah dm me <laughs> I'll filter it out. If we get a message from a Jim, I'll die. I, don't I know his name Jim. is Jim, but he'll, he'll know. He'll know yes. because he'll have the same it heart was, story. It was obnoxious. <laughs> Reet was described as having an adventurous spirit, and so when she packed her bags and moved to America, no one batted an eye. Her family received postcards from Reet telling them about her adventures. Her final postcard was dated October 31st, 1969, and read... Dear mother and father, the weather is nice and the people are kind. I have a nice little apartment. I go frequently to the beach. Please write me. Hugs. Read. According to her family, they had assumed the lack of communication after this postcard was just that Reet was creating a new life for herself in L.A. The Gervetson family never reported Reet missing for this very reason. As a free spirit, they assumed she was just living life in L.A. Mm-hmm. And in all fairness, we're in the 60s. Yeah. You're not texting people. It's the summer of love. Yeah. Yeah. People are missing all the time. Yeah. That's why there's so many cases from this time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She had previously told them she lived in an apartment by the coast and frequented the beach often. When the police were investigating the case, they went to the address on the postcard, the Paramount Hotel, but it had since been demolished. Anne is quoted as saying, not once did we suspect that she would have been killed. As incredible as it seems, my parents never thought to report Reet missing to the police. They thought that she was just living her life somewhere and that eventually news would turn up. Even with the help of a hired private investigator, Reet was not found. And so, when they saw Jane Doe 59 and caught a glimmer of hope that it could be Reet, 
the family submitted a DNA sample. It came back as a match. Now, with a positive identification, Detective Shepard turned the investigation towards finding out who killed Reed Trevetson. Based on the year and the location, some wild theories were investigated, and some still believe to this day. One year earlier, a 17-year-old college student, Marina Hab, had been violently murdered in the Hollywood Hills off of Mulholland Drive on December 29, 1968. Her mother was an actress, Eloise Hart. Due to the violent nature of both of these murders and the fact that neither woman's belongings had been stolen, they have been connected and suspected as having the same killer. Perhaps it's the most curious who is theorized to be the killer, none other than the Manson family. The Tate-LaBianca murders occurred on August 8, 1969, where the family members killed five people, including Sharon Tate and her friends, and created a nationwide sensation. The following night, seven family members entered the home of Leno and Rosemary LaBianca and murdered them both. Detective Cliff Shepard had supported the investigation of other suspected murders in connection to the family. When Charles Manson and his followers were convicted of nine counts of first-degree murder, there are 15 other suspected murders, including that of Marina and Reet. Jane Doe 59 was not the only nickname Reet had in death. She is also known as Sherry Doe. A witness came forward claiming to have seen Sherry, who matched Reet's description, among the members of the Manson family. The caretaker of Spawn Ranch, Ruby Pearl, the desert location that the family lived on until being evicted, said while Sherry was not a family member, she did spend time there. Charles Manson denied killing Reed or Marina, and besides the witness account, no other connection could be verified. So while a concrete connection cannot be made, LAPD have not ruled this theory out. Which I find super interesting. It's, yeah. And I think any kind of death around that time or murder around that time that's unsolved could be connected. And so that's when I thought... Uh, like it's probably just sensationalized and they're trying to pin the Manson family on all of these murders, but Reet and Marina, as well as a few others are actually connected in a lot of research as well as like the Wikipedia page. It's not just a fleeting theory. Mm -hmm. This is a concrete theory that they have without concrete evidence. Yeah. What this is making me truly think of is the Black Dahlia. Mm. Mm Because that would have been around that time in that space as well. Now, what is his name? There is an amazing podcast called My Father's Crimes, something like that. I will post it on our socials because it's worth a listen. And it's the family of... It's the family of the doctor who's suspected of killing the Black Mm. Dahlia investigating it themselves he was a terrible terrible man Ooh, i'm interested so I, I i would listen to it again it was so 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 good mm-hmm. i it I, I will post it on our socials because it's it's definitely worth your time cool. but that's what that's what this is bringing up because mm-hmm. he was extremely violent it's different because that body was drained and stuff like that mm-hmm. but this just the significance of how many stab wounds and the area that's what that's bringing up for me mm-hmm. so could be either they're messed up in the 60s man hippies lsd i don't think it was the hippies (laughs) it was the season it was the it was the summer of love and murder yes well that's what this can be called yeah summer of love and murder and murder Murder. (laughs) 
One compelling piece of evidence was a black pair of Liberty glasses found at the scene, just 18 meters away. Police theorized that these glasses found by a street maintenance worker could belong to the killer. Significance of this find was not lost to the police. They put Sergeant Dwayne Wolfer, all of these detective names are fantastic. Yeah. Oh, Cliff yeah. Shepard, Lou Rivera, Dwayne Wolfer. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So Dwayne, he's on the case. He had actually investigated the assassination of Senator Robert Kennedy just one year prior. So these are big players in the field that yeah. we have on Reed's case. Wow. Over 50 years later, the investigative notes regarding these glasses had been lost to time. A specific note dated May 16, 1972, was leaked to the Fifth Estate, saying that police did consult with an optometrist and advised that the glasses appeared to be from a male who was very nearsighted. The prescription was negative 75 for both eyes, wow. and the brand was Liberty, which was available all across America at the time. Shepard hypothesized that based on the fact that Reet was not killed where her body was found and how violent the death was, that the man who killed her may have quickly had to dump the body. So rushing, he threw her body over the ravine, didn't even notice or watch the body go down or get caught on the trees and branches. And going fast, he could not have the time to retrieve or even perhaps find his glasses that had fallen from his face or maybe out of his pocket or out, out of the car. Hmm. Now, you went, oh, man, when I said negative 75, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> I, I know you do Because ironically, I have 20-20 vision. Oh, and we're so happy for you. Is that Actually, really bad? Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. I believe, well, I believe that I am, I'm positive, but that's because I'm farsighted, and mm -hmm. I'm positive one something. Oh. Yeah. That's a lot, then. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably like the Coke bottle glasses back in the day. Oh, yeah, definitely are, because at least we can disguise ours now. Yeah. <laughs> All, but I couldn't imagine losing a prescription for of that, a, a prescription of that strength. I couldn't imagine losing it. And, and. Yeah, because I can't imagine they have two pairs. Yeah. Unless, no. Well, it's the six, I don't think it's they do. Six, it's 69. the 60s. Yeah. Hmm. So know. you would think if even if you were rushing, mm -hmm. you would say, I need my glasses to drive mm -hmm. because I'm blind as a bat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if he's nearsighted, he would be fine with driving. Oh. It's me, farsighted, that, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. See the things you learn. Yeah. I know. Just doing this. There's things that one of our oddities episodes that I thought I knew that case inside and out that yeah. I didn't even I truly in my heart of hearts didn't even think I was gonna have to google anything because <laughs> is this the next case we're recording this is this is not the next case we're recording oh, but one okay. for our oddities one we're recording I yeah. truly believe because I have watched so many YouTube videos I've listened to so many podcasts the one of our our favorite podcasters they did a shorthand on it red-handed check it out so I thought I didn't even have to google it but then as I was going through I was like mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah I need to Google that. So you learn so many things. Being a podcaster is pretty cool. Yeah. Not that we're biased or anything. Though the Manson family theory is compelling, there is a theory and a person of interest that holds much more validity when connecting Reed's life and her death. Remember when I moved? When I <laughs> remember, remember when, when I, I moved, moved to California? California? <laughs> I do actually. How <laughs> sad. Remember when I mentioned that she moved from Canada to LA for love? At the time, she had moved to Toronto to live with her grandmother after graduating high school and was working at the post office. 
while getting her morning coffee at Cafe Image. That sounds like such a modern cafe. Mm-hmm. They definitely reached out and grazed hands. And... Mm-hmm. I love it. So at Cafe Image, she met a man named John, or Jean, who is reported to have been a spitting image of, of Jim Morrison. She told her friends she would be moving to L.A. to see Jean, or John. And there in L.A., she shared an apartment with Jean, or John, and Jean's best friend, Jean, or John, <laughs> a shorter man with a Beatles-like haircut. Paul, George, Ringo, and Jean. Jo- oh. <laughs> I was honestly not too sure how else to distinguish these men because there is two men with the same name. So from <laughs> here on out, and we're going to post their... They don't have photos, unfortunately, but they're composite drawings. There's Bullcut Jean and Jean Morrison. <laughs> I have seen these images, and I understand why we're doing what we're doing. So Jean Morrison, literally they took the photo of Jim Morrison in the black and white with his curly hair and no shirt and his arms are out. They literally took that and was like, I'm just going to draw this photo. <laughs> It looks exactly yes, like it him. does, literally. <laughs> exactly like him. Okay, so we have Bullcut Jean and Jean Morrison from here on out. Okay. So Bullcut John, Jean, Jean, Jean Guy. Jean Guy! <laughs> Bullcut Jean was seen by friend Gilda Green in 1970 in Montreal. So this is a little, almost a year after Reet had actually died. Right, okay. They spoke about Reet for a brief moment. He told her that Reet had lived with him and Jean Morrison for a couple of weeks before leaving on her own and that everything had been fine. She was happy when she left. So the police have named Bullcut Jean as an official person of interest and they have not been able to track down or locate this Bullcut Jean. Oobla dee, oobla da, life goes on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> So when I was gathering the, when, when we do our posts, sometimes I'll post, sometimes Kayla will post, you'll be able to tell who's posting because mine are little rectangles and Kayla always has to fix them later. <laughs> so when I originally post before Kayla fixes it for us, I, I gather all the pictures and I was looking at this like, I don't understand what I'm looking at, but I'm sure that Kayla's going to explain it. And now that this has been explained, I can't wait for everybody to see the di- the non-difference yeah. between Bullcut Jean and... I'll probably put up Bullcut Jean and a Beatle and then Jean Morrison and Jim Morrison. Oh, Let's yeah, do yeah, that because yeah. it's so dumb. It's wild, yeah. No, I, I was looking at it like, I don't know what we're going for with this. I I knew that the person's name wasn't Jean who we were who we were putting up. <laughs> I knew her name was Reet. <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> What is what am I looking at? I'll gather it. Kayla will explain later. <laughs> They're fun. This case is still ongoing, and investigators are still hoping to locate both Jeans and speak to them in connection with this case. Essentially, there's nothing more than what we've already talked about with connecting them to Reed's murder. Neither men have connection to Charles Manson or his cult family, nor are they noted as ever wearing glasses. So police are not considering them, at this point, suspects. What they want to make known is any final details they may remember. Perhaps they themselves don't know that Reet was ever murdered. Or perhaps one or both men are responsible for this very personal and very brutal killing. At this point in time, Reet's murder case is considered a historic cold case. 
but it's indeed still open. CBC's The Fifth Estate highlighted this case over the course of several months in 2017. They discovered that someone with the last name Lynnhorst was living across the hall from Reet and Jean Squared's apartment, a young man also from Montreal. As Jean Morrison and Bullcut Jean are the only known by their first names, police are wondering if this elusive Lynnhorst has the answers. We saw something very similar in Andrew Berry's case where it was the apartment neighbors that gave a glimpse into the final days of the two young girls who were murdered by their father. Another young man from Montreal living across the hallway from a group of young, free-spirited individuals. Yeah, really. I feel like I would theorize that it's really likely that they had at minimum spoken to each other. But they shared that bond Mm -hmm. of their home, community, language... You don't just have a passing smile in the hallway. Quebec is definitely one of those places that has an accent. Mm-hmm. Like, I would recognize a Quebec accent. Quebec French is yeah. very different yeah. than other French. Yep. So, quoi? Mm-hmm. They have a thing about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they sure do. With the building being torn down, the final owner, Jack Dardashi, died in 2015. Police have been unable to locate tenant records and tried to connect the dots in that way. The LAPD continue to request assistance from the public or anyone who knows of the people living at the Paramount Hotel, later renamed to the Hollywood Executive Apartments, where Reed lived in apartment 306. What a small group of characters. Yeah. yeah. Like it. And I feel bad for the people still investigating this because, you know, usually I have my own theory. Mm-hmm. By this point, I mean we're 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 almost through. I don't have a theory about this one. The I I mean I already spoke about the Black Dahlia, but mm-hmm. I don't. You would think if it was one of the Jeans that somebody back in Montreal would say he's a really shady character. Yeah, and nothing has come out about that. Mm-hmm. So I agree in terms of oh I feel it was this person or I feel it was that person. Do I think it was the Manson family? No, probably not. Right. I want it to be the Manson family, but that's just because. I hate to use the word exciting, mm-hmm. but it's exciting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's another connection. Connection, another death that they are responsible for mm-hmm. adds to that lore. Yeah, that lore of Hollywood at the time, mm-hmm. especially in 1969. The, the Tate LaBianca murders are essentially a catalyst for what comes in the 70s. Mm-hmm. It ended the hippie era, mm-hmm. it ended the summer of love. Because of what the family did. Absolutely. And unfortunately for Reet, her murder is overshadowed by that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I had, no I had other... never heard of this. No, me neither. Me neither. Yeah. Honestly, and the cults is something that I'm definitely interested in. And I've read a lot about the Manson family. Mm-hmm. And I know of the people that he killed and the family killed and, and all of that. But I didn't know that there was some unsolved cases that they were still potentially connected to. Yeah. And so for somebody who's looked into it before, not knowing, it, the, the usual person is not going to connect the dots either. Yeah, no. And I, do, I definitely didn't know that there were still unsolved murders with that because I think that the people that they murdered were so much more famous. Yes. That a full your average, family. Yeah, yeah. Your average Joe and Jane are not going to get mm-hmm. the the highlighted 
right. part, how many how many documentaries, how many YouTube videos, how many podcasts yeah. are on the Manson family. Yes. I, would be, I mean, sure. we obviously can't and haven't listened to all of them, but it's and just es- interesting. Yeah, and essentially for Reed's case, it was only the, the, the regular side of the internet that helped at least even identify her. Mm-hmm. So when she had her autopsy, they took photos of her. There is a, fo- a black and white photo. And when it was first put out to the public, they had to turn her face and they, um, it's black and white, so you yeah. don't really see much. And then when they released it to the public, the detective at the time, I believe it was Shepard, but correct me if I'm wrong, um, he tried to use computer imaging to soften it mm-hmm. and try and put some features. And then they used computer graphics to reconstruct her face. And it looked nothing like right. Reed. Yeah, yeah. So when it went on the internet again, they they used the softened image of her actual face mm-hmm. um, in death. And it, that's what actually connected that person to Anne to say, I think your sister's on this website. And then Anne confirmed it. So that's really interesting because usually composites, usually reconstruction of faces Mm -hmm. post-death, you can kind of see with the bone structure. They had her, they had her face. Yeah. And it looked nothing like her. And so Mm -hmm. that might also have been why it took so much time to not, not being able to connect the dots. Yeah, for sure. That's wild. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because they do that with even, like, Egyptian mummies and yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, like, how yeah. wrong are they? <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. And we just take it as truth because it's computer graphics Computer graphics and, and we live in this era. Mm-hmm. So, you yeah. know. So, while Jane Doe, 59, has been identified as the adventurous and free-spirited Reet Jervidson, her murderer has not. Throughout the years not hearing from Reet, her sister and mother wondered and, and wished that Reet was happy and successful, having created a life for herself in Hollywood. Which I, it's interesting. I just know what everybody who came to visit me in Hollywood thought <laughs> of Los Angeles. Yeah. And how I can envision the sister and this mom being like oh. the Hollywood yes. glitz and glamour. Like whenever my mom was so excited and you were so excited to come to LA and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's fine. And I'm not going to pee all over everybody's cornflakes, but it's just like, you know what we're going to do? Mm. Speaking of peeing on cornflakes, we're going to post a photo of Alicia and this man who stopped us on the street and we need your help. Oh my gosh. Yes. We need your help, internet. Yes. That's wild. Yes. So this we. Man. Yes. Stopped us on the street in front of the Chinese, Chinese theater yeah. and where started, they host the Grammys and all that stuff. Yeah. And started doing some sort of comedy skit with us. Mm-hmm. And I removed myself, but sweet Alicia here took one for the team mm-hmm. and continued to listen to him. We have no idea who he was. No he had idea. bodyguards. He had cameras. He had sound guys. He had everything. And we don't know what it was for or who it was or if it was just some random weirdo. So, help. yeah, uh, we are going to post that. It will be its own separate post. Yes. I'm going to give a little shout out to little Blakey, too, because he was pretty he was yeah. a part of it. And he took one for the team with me. That, yeah. That's the Mashad. So we take we take one for the team. <laughs> but, yes, so we, are, we are going to post it. And I'm actually really, really hoping that we figured that out because yeah. I didn't even post those pictures on my own personal Instagram because I was like, I don't know who this guy is. I don't want to be like, I'm so excited that I met uh-huh. this person. And then I don't want to be like, 
who is I don't know. This is the who, perfect who platform. Is that? Who is this? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because I I I like, kind of made fun of us. Oh, I'm excited to post that. Please mm-hmm. help us. Yes. This is a call to action right here. Yeah, help TFTC underscore help pod. T- <laughs> yeah. Instagram, Facebook, help. But yeah, so. Sorry, when we sidetracked there, because we always do, but yeah, most of all... you won't like all, this podcast yeah. if you don't like sidetracking. Yeah. <laughs> we love you all. Of course, as we can figure, most of all, they hoped that Reed would one day write the next postcard or walk through her doors. Anne's greatest loss after hearing her of her sister's death was that she could not bring Reed home to Canada. Without her body identified and collected, Reed was cremated and placed in a mass grave somewhere in Los Angeles. That is heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Anne's sister has a website, www.reetjervitson.com, and continues to ask for tips and information about her sister's life and death, hoping that one day her killer would be identified. If you have any information, we urge you to contact LAPD Cold Case Unit, Detectives Luis Rivera and Veronica Conrado at 213 213- Four eight six six eight one zero. Or should you wish to remain anonymous, you can call the LA Regional Crime Stoppers at one eight hundred two 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 tips, or go directly to www.lacrimestoppers.org. Anne writes. Finally, after all these years, we are faced with hard facts. My little sister was savagely killed. It was not what I wanted to hear, and now I have a lot to come to terms with. Anne takes comfort in the fact that Reet was not sexually assaulted and did not have drugs or alcohol in her system. Nevertheless, I am horrified to think of how terribly frightened and alone she must have felt as she died. Well, you know, not sexually assaulted, alcohol, or drugs, mm-hmm. and yet here we are still fucking depressed at the end. Yeah. Rest in peace, Reet. Yeah. She and deserves I'm so much sorry, better. Anne. Yeah. So Anne is the only family member of Reitz that is still surviving. Mm-hmm. Her parents died prior to her even being identified. Wow. That can also be comforting because, like I said, it's the 60s. I just, is it kind of nice that they don't have to know that their daughter was brutally murdered? Mm-hmm. Not that we want it on Anne, I but so. I, 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 none of them should feel bad. This is a product of its time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if she had been if she had gone missing in two thousand and nine, mm-hmm. nineteen ninety nine, there's other ways to contact the sixties. Yes. you know what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, what else? I, I I a bajillion percent would have thought the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Also, the glitz and glamour of of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. like it does, it takes you away. I remember the first time I in two thousand and whenever I first went to Los Angeles, I was expecting something entirely different. Yeah. So it, we're still caught up into the, into that today. So I'm not, the family should not feel any kind, and should not feel any kind of guilt because I would have assumed the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And just hope maybe one day she'll come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you know a Jean. Or a John. Or a John with a bowl cut or otherwise. And you think, maybe, <laughs> and you think maybe, you think maybe, he may have dated a REIT back in the day. Or met somebody in a mm-hmm. coffee shop. Mm-hmm. Or lived with a man with the same name. Mm-hmm. Please reach out to where we said earlier. Because it would be nice to get answers before Anne passes. Yeah. If possible. Yeah, she deserves answers. I do like that there's a point of contact. 
Mm-hmm. Like there's two people that are a point of contact for mm-hmm. this case, and I my heart goes to them because trying to comb through all of these details is mm-hmm. <laughs> a feat. Absolutely. Alrighty, with that. Thank, Thank you, you again. so much for being patient with us. We, we hope really you enjoyed the case. Yes, and that's it. I got nothing to say. I'm still sad. I know. Sorry. It always happens. It does. Why do we do this? Okay, well, bye. <laughs> <laughs>